And we are very excited to get to talk with you, Betsy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. Well, what we like to always start out our interviews is we like to just ask what inspired you to become a writer? How'd you get, how'd you get the, uh, the passion for writing? Oh, well, well, I know it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> this won't be a forever long answer, but you might think it might be. Um, I started writing when I was seven, so it goes way back, but my dad brought home our first family computer from his work and it was the big DOS boxy machine. <laughs> My daughter wouldn't even recognize it today. Um, and so I just started playing around writing stories about a little girl and her dog or kind of just a journal of my own life in fiction form. And then I started writing fan fiction of the Babysitter's Club, mm-hmm. Saddle Club. And that was before I even knew fan fiction was a thing. I just thought, oh, I can write about Claudia and Marianne. Um, so I just dabbled with it. And then I, I thought, this is something I really want to do. And so I just started kind of learning more about the craft of writing. And when I turned 18, I thought, okay, if I want to be published, I need to get serious. And I started going to writers conferences. And I just always had that dream to be a published author. That was just a goal of mine from a little, from as a little girl. Mm-hmm. So That's cool. Did you get to see the new uh, Babysitter's Club series? On Netflix. Yes. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And now they have graphic novels of the old mm-hmm. original stories. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I love that series so much. New season coming up soon. I can't wait. <laughs> have you always been interested in romance novels? In romance? I have. From a young mm-hmm. age, I um kind of funny story. My older sister used to pay me to clean her room. So one day I was in there Mark. and I lifted this kind of damp towel off the floor and there was a Robin Jones gun novel mm-hmm. uh Christy Miller and I started reading that and I just sat down right there on the wet towel and started reading and that got me into Robin Jones guns books so I read her Glenbrook series as I think I was 13 and I fell in love with the way that she told a love story I loved how there was that little bit of a faith thread and everything was so pure and and romantic and it it just made me want to create stories like that for readers just wholesome wait for the real thing kind of love story that's cool yeah we have interviewed robin before in fact it was pretty in a pretty crazy situation she's friends with melody carlson and melody carlson was getting evacuated from her house for some reason when we were going to interview her well, she calls up instead of just saying like, I can't do it, which would have been fine. Uh, she calls up her friend, Robin Jones and says, Hey, will you do this interview for me? I can't do it. And so, wow. so we're sitting down expecting to get to interview Melody Carlson and surprise there's Robin Jones. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> How fun. Oh, that was pretty funny. <laughs> so I just recently interviewed Melody again and I said, don't worry, you don't have to find a sub. It's okay. <laughs> Man, she delivered though. Yeah, she really did. <laughs> That's great. I got to meet Robin Jones Gunn at a writer's conference several years ago. She was the keynote speaker and that was during a kind of a hard season in my life. I was going through a mm-hmm. divorce and oh, it was so special just getting to talk with her and Um, just tell her what all she had, you know, meant to me over the years. It was truly a gift. That's awesome. She's a very nice lady. So (laughs) 
Uh, so what do you like most about writing romance? Oh, or just romance I, novels in general, not necessarily even just writing them, but reading them too. Yeah, I love the happily ever after. I do. I'm a sap for it. Um, I like when things maybe wrap up in a slightly less expected or traditional way, um, story-wise. But even when it's predictable, it's just still so good. It's just that happy feeling at the end, and it just kind of makes you. Um, I know for for me being remarried. It, it's like reading a good love story makes me appreciate my husband again, like kind of in a fresh way when I close a book. So mm -hmm. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find it's, it's challenging to write romance without, as we like to call without the spice uh, to, to be able to keep, cause you've done mostly, I think the inspiration Harlequin. Right. Um, and do you think that's, uh, do you, do you think it's, that's a challenge to kind of keep the, keep the romance going, but not have that, uh, steaminess, I guess. Yeah. I kind of keep it PG. Yeah. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. that's pretty much all I've ever written. Um, I, I kind of think there's a unique challenge to that. It kind of inspires me to use my writing craft and my, and my skills to create that tension, but keep it, you know, PG. I, I like to write books that my 13-year-old daughter can appreciate as well as my elderly grandmother, mm -hmm. but also everyone in between. So it's definitely a balance. And um, I just think that it takes a little bit more effort sometimes to, you know, create that chemistry and that sizzle, um, but keeping it within those, those boundaries and, you know, maybe just showing the, the shut door, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it is tough, but I, but sometimes I think it's even more uh, exciting, I guess, uh, even though less is shown because you are allowed as a reader to, to kind of add your own story. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And just like with, you know, um, any clean romances or the Hallmark movies that we all love, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, there's just something so nice about the wholesomeness of it, you know, if, um, if that's, something that you enjoy. I, I just love it. It, it just mm -hmm. kind of is a nice way to keep romance fresh again without kind of cluttering it up with some of the other. And honestly, yeah. on a chemistry level, I feel like when there's too much physical contact too soon between characters, it almost just is kind of a letdown. It's, it's almost like you, you're not as interested reading the rest of the story. The journey. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. you want to kind of keep that that rubber band pulled taunt, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, so would you describe yourself as a pantser or a plotter? Ooh, I am a plotter who has very strangely turned a little more pantsy as she's <laughs> grown up. <laughs> so um, to some degree, I have to plot. I usually contract my novels um, on proposal. So there has to at least be a general outline of the story. Um, thankfully, I'm past the point of having to write the full book before it's contracted. Um, that's a stressful place to be as a new author trying to break in. So we got past that hump, but now, you know, the, they want to see a, a gist of a beginning, middle, and end. Um, so yeah, I have to plot, and I normally would really enjoy that because it helps me write faster if I'm not kind of staring at the blinking cursor thinking, now what? Um, but here lately, I feel like I've been writing better when I have less of an outline. So I think that's shifting a little bit. Mm -hmm. oddly enough. Interesting. So what was it like to get your first book published? You said it, it, that, you know, that that was a pretty intense process, but, 
but uh but yeah because you don't have an agent at that point you're just trying to hustle it and get it published and it seems like most people their first book is always takes the longest to write and so what was that whole experience like well, so I'll give you two examples because my first traditionally published novel was with um, Love Inspired, which is now a division of Harlequin Romances and mm-hmm. um, HarperCollins. But they, um, I had to write the whole story and it went through some massive revisions. They, my, um, I actually did have an agent first at that point. Okay. Um, I got her through a writer's conference and she really believed in my work and my examples. And so she um, took a chance on me. And so we got my first love inspired contract just a few months after I signed with her. Um, but those massive revisions, I was so discouraged, but I'm so grateful I had her in my corner to explain because she said, no, this is good. Like they really are interested in this. They would not ask you to make all these changes and resubmit if they didn't truly want this story. So just knowing that really kind of bolstered me to try again. And so sure enough, we did all the revisions and got it published. So that one was a huge, just, wow, you know, it just was a burden lifted that all that work really did pay off. And that was really nice. Um, And then I loved writing for Love Inspired, but, you know, those are smaller stories. They're shorter word count. Um, I really wanted to branch out into more of the the traditional length, more than, you know, 90,000 word kind of range. Um, and so we started pitching some different books and I got published with, or got a contract with Zondervan, who has also now been acquired and is part of HarperCollins. And that was just kind of a dream come true. So it's kind of like I've had two of those moments at different stages in my career. And oddly enough, that, that, that big contract with, with Zondervan came weeks after my husband left and I started my divorce process. So that was really odd timing to be given this dream contract to write romance and I'm suddenly single. So that was definitely something to navigate, but I felt like it, it made my books all the better for it. Just putting that emotion into it. And um, it really taught me a lot about love during that time. So Yeah, that would be interesting to kind of have that sort of darkness kind of have that hard time happening in your life while you're creating these sort of fantasy love stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot of room for bitterness there, but in this yeah. weird way, I just feel like the Lord kind of works it out and it was really mm-hmm. a blessing, truly. Yeah. So, yeah, That's interesting. <laughs> From the author of Miracles and Menorahs and History of Us comes a story about the changing nature of love and what it really feels like to be home for the holidays. Love and Lockcase is the third book in Stacey Agdern's Friendship and Festival series. Available on October 12th from Tool Publishing and wherever books are sold. For more information about Stacy, visit her at her website, stacyagdern.com. That's stacyagdern.com. So let's talk about Tacos for Two, your new book. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you tell our audience a little bit about what it's about? So I've been pitching it as You've Got Mail meets Food Truck Wars. Mm-hmm. So I'm a huge fan of the movie You've Got Mail. And thankfully, it's one that my husband today will absolutely sit down and watch with me every time we want to. Sometimes he'll even suggest it first, so I know he's a keeper. Um, So I just really loved the trope of You've Got Mail and that um, kind of secret identity, enemies in person, but in love behind the scenes type thing. And I really wanted to play with that. And my editor at Ravel, uh, she suggested a food truck environment. She said, there's just not a lot of food trucks in Christian fiction. And I was like, well, we should change that. Let's do food trucks. 
And of course, I immediately thought of tacos. Why not? That sounds amazing. So I just created kind of this story of battling competitors with their food trucks, and they each need to win this contest um, for their own individual reasons. The stakes are high for everybody, but they don't realize that they have also been communicating through an anonymous um, dating app. So we got to create a dating app, which is really fun. Um, there's just a lot of specifics that I had to kind of work out to fit the story and make it all believable. And it turned out to be really fun. And there's so many portions of the book that are in texting format or direct messaging format with emojis. And it came out really cute. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. And uh, I'm a huge You've Got Mail fan. And when you say that it's part of the book, you're, you're not you're not kidding. Like it is an actual, like you quote lines from the movie in the book yes yeah. I have um, I have tagged Tom Hanks on Twitter multiple times and it is my <laughs> new life goal to get him to acknowledge <laughs> this tweet so we'll see if that dream comes true but yeah it's yeah. um it's just fun I love you know kind of exploring what that looks like in modern day because mm -hmm. you know one of the nostalgic elements of that movie is how old it is and the AOL dial up and, mm -hmm. you know, all those things that we kind of like laugh at now technology has progressed. So trying to create a modern day version of that and making it work was challenging and really fun. Well, and also the fact that it is a remake of shop around the corner, I think makes it even more sort of nostalgic and feel. Cause you have all of this sort of, I don't know, just this, there's all of this pedigree to it that I think makes it really work. And just Nora Ephron's scripts uh when we when we do a um a uh a you've got mail podcast we'll have to have you on because uh her script is just so quotable i <laughs> so and i love the whole cast i mean you have greg kinnear you've got parker posey who's hilarious mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah when i get out of this air when i get out of this elevator i'm having my eyes lasered that's one of my favorites and I love Craig Kinnear and the thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, I love, uh, <laughs> uh, Dabney Coleman's in this, uh, as his dad, I think that's really funny. Don't romanticize them <laughs> readers, right. dad, they're called readers. <laughs> I love that. And, and Thanks she's the best one-liners, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh. you're taking all the caviar, <laughs> that caviar is a garnish. <laughs> I could do this all day. We could, day. we, yeah, you. it's, it's, <laughs> it's so great. Uh, but, but yeah, I, and I love, um, oh, um, oh shoot. Jean, Jean, uh, Stapleton. Mm. She's hilarious in it. <laughs> the, uh, um, uh, the, uh, I love the whole thing. Like you, you spend way more on leather jackets than they're worth. You don't fall in love with fascist dictators. <laughs> yes. That's the best. That's the best. It's so great. I, yeah. I just love those characters together in that movie. And I, like you said, it's got such a great supporting, you know, cast of side characters. And I tried to incorporate some of that, mm -hmm. not directly related, but just, it was important to me to have some of that same fun banter and feedback from the side characters like Alton. He's the mm -hmm. uh, assistant cook for the hero. And he's a, you know, kind of college kid. He's a hot mess. And he kind of reminds me of the, of George, you know, working in the bookstore with, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, like he just, you know, there's, there's kind of some subtle nods 
in that direction too that I think true fans might pick up on but yeah. it was fun it was fun yeah. you fell in love with the rooftop killer <laughs> <laughs> I actually tried to work in a little bit more about the Unabomber and you know some of those quotes and I remember typing them in thinking I don't know that people are going to get this like <laughs> diehard fans but I do probably have to reel it back in just a little so, yeah I mean you don't want to go overboard and I don't think you did I don't think you did you. but I just think what she does what Nora Ephron does so well in all of her movies is she manages to weave in these little sort of diatribes mm. these little because she's an essay writer at heart and so she has these essays that then she works into the uh this the script like mm. about ordering Starbucks is a defining moment of self you know things like that that yeah. I, I think make it work so well. And, and uh, I love Dave Chappelle in the movie. <laughs> so you're just taking so it to the next level. <laughs> you know, I have a, this is how big of a fan I am. I, have you heard of Smallwoods? They're like a canvas creating company. You can order like custom photo frames. They oh, really? No, I haven't heard of that. Oh, they're so, they're so aesthetic and, and, and lovely and they're affordable. So okay. I, I ordered a canvas, a custom photo canvas on a scroll. Nice. So it's got the wooden frame, you know, on top and bottom and it just hangs. And it's a photo of me and my husband at our wedding four years ago and we're slow dancing. It's super cute. And then you can customize a quote, you know, around the, the photo. And I added the quote on this custom frame about buying you a bouquet of freshly sharpened pencils <laughs> in my living room right now. <laughs> so I think I might win the Die Hard Fan Award just for that one. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah it, we picked the right person for us to have this, to do this, you and I to do this interview because we both know you've got mail very well. That's great. And I will clarify that if you're not a fan of You've Got Mail or you're not as familiar, it's not the main part of the book. Oh, we yeah, might be yeah, making yeah. it sound like that. But no, no. I feel like it's a good balance of if you get it, you get it. But if not, you're not really missing anything or confused. It might even inspire you to go watch the movie, which would be great. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, I, no, it's definitely just like an homage. And if people last year, there was a movie on, on Hallmark called deliver by Christmas, which I think if people liked that, then they'll, and that was one of our favorites. It was my favorite last year with a, kind of a similar idea of two people. They know each other in, in real life, but they're, they're communicating via an app. Like you, like you said, so that one was really charming. So if you like anything like that, then you'll enjoy this. You'll enjoy this book. And I was going to ask though, is, is you've got mail, your favorite Nora Ephron film? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Cause the oh, thing yeah. is, is that like Sleepless in Seattle is really good when you, when Harry met Sally is really good, but I think that, uh, I think that Sleepless in Seattle is not really a comedy. It's more about grief and loss and moving forward. And then, yeah, then at the end, starting a relationship. And yes. so I, I, whereas like you've got mail is a romantic comedy outright. Right. right. Yeah. So I could probably do a whole nother podcast segment just on how much <laughs> I get frustrated by sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it. But then I'm like, okay, now the movie's starting and it's over. Like I feel robbed because mm -hmm. the hero and heroine aren't on the screen together really at all yeah. through the whole movie. So you're cheering for each of them. And then there's just that really 
you know, notorious five minute ending, you know, that's great, but I want more. I want to see what happens next. So I do feel like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan's chemistry was a lot more on point in the um, you've got mail, but again, they weren't really on the screen together. together, So it's kind of, I don't know. Lupus in Seattle, it's more about getting to that moment. I mean, there's some great, I mean, the dialogue is so good in Lupus in Seattle. Like, I mean, like the, the uh, it rains nine months out of the year, <laughs> you know, and all that. So good. But that, but, and I love Bill Pullman in that movie. He's hilarious. Uh, it's, it's a great movie, but, but I agree with you. You've got mail is the tops yep. number one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but, but let's talk more about tacos for you because I really did enjoy all of those. And I was like, Ooh, and especially as it kept going. And I was, I was like, Oh, wow, this is a real, cause I was like, is it going to go that way? And then it did. And, and then you were quoting, I'm like, Oh, so I got more invested as it went along. I would say. Good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. There and, was a scene where I had to actually rewrite. I had the, I won't get too specific, but I had the big reveal mm-hmm. where they discover who each other are. I had that initially done totally differently. And I'm so grateful that my editor called me out on it. And she's like, you know, I'm just not quite feeling this. It doesn't ring quite true. Can we try something else for this really important moment? And I'm like, oh, okay. So like anytime your editor gives you some kind of revision, you like sulk and you eat chocolate and then you come back and you're like, oh, she's totally right. And then you're so grateful and it's so much better. So I do love the reveal moment um, when the hero finds out what's going on. I really love that. And um, so I'm very grateful for my editor's expertise. She completely was right. Would would you describe yourself as a foodie? That is hilarious because (laughs) (laughs) let me just tell you, I have somehow, okay. If you talk to authors, you know that branding is a thing. You know, your publisher, your agent, they want you to have a brand. They want your readers to know what to expect when they open a, you know, Nicholas Sparks book. You immediately have a certain thing in your mind or a Francine Rivers or, you know, um, Ted Decker, you know, you you know what you're getting with those names. So you would never see Ted Decker write a sweet Amish romance, right? You would never see Francine Rivers write a horror zombie tale. So that's branding. So somehow I have accidentally gotten myself branded as the food author. <laughs> so most of my books prior to this have had some element of bakeries or cupcakes. There's a um, a novel I did with Zondervan called All's Fair and Loving Cupcakes. And it oh, was a good title. Uh, it was so fun to write. It was a, uh, you remember the show Cupcake Wars that was on mm-hmm. Food Network? It was kind of a, inspired by that. And it was a friends to more trope. Really fun. I love that one. And then somehow since then, they asked me to do a novella for a box set and they were doing a year of wedding. And my, that was assigned to me was the wedding cake baker. <laughs> so that just kind of <laughs> propelled it more. And then the next thing I know, I'm writing The Key to Love, which was my first book with my Revell contract. And it's set um, in the Midwest in a Parisian inspired bakery where there's nothing but pedophores and macarons and all of this stuff. And so I finally have gotten out of the bakery, but now I'm in a food truck. <laughs> so the, the foodie things continue. I do love food. I am horrible at cooking or baking. So that's where the irony comes in is my 13 year old daughter one day was like, I'm just going to make macarons. 
I'm like, okay, baby, well, that's, that's pretty tricky. That's advanced baking. Yeah. That's tough. They came out. They were amazing. And she's just looking at me like, what? Like it's hard. And I'm like, well, <laughs> guess not for you. So she inherited all of those genes that skipped right over me. So I will eat the macarons and love them, but don't expect me to provide them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can like expense it as research. I mean, that's the, that's the yeah. dream there, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how many taco trucks did you have to visit to write this book? <laughs> I know. And that's what was so sad is I had a plan to tour one that was here local. Um, they're a combo food truck and storefront and they're really good, just authentic, homemade, local. And that was right when COVID struck um, spring of 2020. And so we had to cancel all of those types of research experiments. So that was a bummer. Um, but I was able to do a lot of research and even talk to some other families who have, you know, homemade tamale recipes. And so I, I was still able to immerse myself in it, but mm. you should, you should have seen my Google history search for, <laughs> for that time period. It's nothing but all these different tamale recipes and random questions. Like, is this pepper spicy? Cause I need it to burn somebody's eyes, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, at least with this one, you have two characters who don't really know how to cook as opposed yes. to like some Michelin star chef or whatever. Right. So I really was able to channel them. <laughs> it's so sad. Whenever I tell my kids we're, I'm cooking tacos tonight, they get really excited and then they kind of side eye me and they're like beef or turkey because they hate <laughs> turkey tacos. <laughs> And, and even yeah. with, with chicken, um, my daughter does that now, my, my oldest, that's a really good chef. She'll, she'll kind of just yeah. take the spatula out of my hand. She's like, you want me to cook the chicken mom? <laughs> like, yeah, you probably should. <laughs> You're like, it's tipped a generation. The talent, the cooking that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've never made macaroons. That's, that's very, very tough. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. She'll be using all these terms like, oh, they they didn't get the feet that I wanted them to. No idea. <laughs> so are Rory and Jude based on anybody that you know when you were coming up with their characters? I try really hard not to get too close to anybody in my real life um, when I create my characters just to stay safe. Um, <laughs> Um, I do, I do try to sometimes give a nod with, with names. So mm -hmm. with, with Rory, I love Gilmore Girls, huge Gilmore Girls junkie. Um, but I've always wanted to use that. So, I mean, it's not really based off Rory's character at all, but just her namesake was kind of inspired by my love for Gilmore Girls. Um, but yeah, they personality and stuff wise, I feel like a little, tiny piece of me goes into each of my heroines, you know, maybe with something they struggle with or a quirk they have. So that's always kind of fun to implement because I think it helps me write them more authentically. Like, oh, I know how this feels. I can really deliver on this, on this particular mm -hmm. element, you know, um, but no, not, not a direct inspiration. I just kind of compiled a bunch of different things I wanted to explore, um, especially with their family dynamics. So, this is definitely a yeah. family, strong family sub sub story, um, along with the, the romance, they both have some family issues to deal with. And I feel like that gave the story a, a really well-rounded feel. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah. And some of some of that actually developed as I was writing and I started digging deeper into some of the characters' motivations. I thought, oh wow, you're like this because your dad is like this. And I was able to kind of start expounding on it. So I was kind of along for the ride in a lot of ways. Was it hard sometimes to keep Jude likable since he's in this competition with Rory and you have to kind of keep both characters uh, likable, but particularly him because he could be seen as kind of threatening to her? Yeah. And, you know, I almost wonder if I went too far with that because it's really fun. The, um, the reviews that I've gotten have been like praising Jude and just they're in love with Jude. Mm-hmm. But then I've gotten a couple of mentions of, a little bit of, okay, Roy needed to kind of just shape it up a little bit, you know, kind of a vibe. So I think Mm -hmm. people love Jude so much. They almost found Rory more of a harder character to relate to. So that was kind of unexpected. Um, But I think they play off each other really well. I think Mm -hmm. they helped make each other better. And that's what you want in a romance. Well, and because Rory, she is like a little bit deceitful because she lies about, about being able to teach him how to cook. And right. then, and then he's a little bit deceptive because he doesn't tell her about the competition that she, he's going to be entering the competition that he's mm-hmm. going to want to run a, a you know, competing food truck, all that stuff. So they both have their kind of energies like that. And, and I think that creates conflict, which makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was fun to put together and, um, just, just flesh out, you know, all those different nuances. And, you know, there was a point in the book where I wasn't quite sure. This is where it goes back to that plotter versus pantser thing. Mm -hmm. But there was a point where I wasn't entirely sure who, if anyone, was going to win the contest. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I had to kind of figure that out as I went too. Yeah, that was fun. I I liked that. We'd like to take a second from this episode of the podcast to celebrate our sponsor of this episode, and that is the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcast? Do you want an inside scoop into what happens on the podcast? Do you want early access to episodes and loads of cool perks? Now is the time to become a patron of Hallmarkies Podcast. By becoming a patron, you get to access our patron Facebook group. You can request episodes or even be a guest on the podcast. And most importantly, any patron can join our monthly movie watch-alongs with stars like Paul Campbell. Natalie Hall, and more. It's as low as $2 a month to join in and become a special part of the Hallmarkies family. Please consider, and we will love you forever. Go to patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. That's patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. And I think that uh, it did a good job of kind of going, because obviously we know, we know the ending of any romance novel. That's Mm -hmm. never, there's no way to spoil a romance novel, but it's all about the journey of how they're going to get there. And uh, so I think that that's what made it fun. And and especially working in this whole idea of them interacting on the, um, on the uh, text messaging Mm -hmm. uh, while also uh, are on the, the, um, the chat room uh, Mm -hmm. while also having this, this kind of other dynamic, which I think made it fun. Was it challenging to kind of write the text messages? So no, the text messages and their banter, it came really naturally for me. That was probably the easiest part of the story was just kind of that snarky, flirty back and forth. I love that. Um, The part that was a little tricky to keep up with was I felt like for a good portion of the book, I was 
literally writing two different relationships because they had their online relationship and then they had yeah. their in-person relationship. And I'm trying to balance the chemistry of both. And then that complication of, well, they have this going on online that they're trying to be loyal to. So we can't cross too many boundaries in person with their attraction because they're being loyal over here. So that was actually a little, a little tricky to keep up with at times was just keeping both of those relationships, you know, yeah. and intriguing. The thing is in, in you've got mail, the, the reason it works because he transitions from being bad Joe Fox to all of a sudden kind of fairly quickly going to this, I'm going to, uh, uh, I've got a thing that I'm, uh, I'm working on a project before we can meet kind of thing. And I think it works because it's Tom Hanks and he's very likable. And so we buy that he would have this change over very quickly. But if you really think about the script, it's, it, it, is it really hundred percent earned? It works because it's Tom Hanks. Uh, And I, I think that that is, would be in writing it, that would be challenging because you don't have Tom Hanks. Right. You know, and it, <laughs> what you just said makes me think too, I wonder if, if, if I'll say readers, but viewers in the movie sense, if they're a little more forgiving of those types of things in movies than they are in novels. I yeah. feel like there's a harsher kind of more critical audience for believability factors in books than there are in movies. And that's kind of interesting. I'm not sure why, but I definitely I feel like maybe because maybe, yeah, maybe because you spend more time with a book, you know, whereas the movie's yeah. just two hours and you're in, you're out, you're done. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but then a book you're, you know, you're in with these characters for a couple of weeks or however long it takes you to, you know, read the book. And yeah. I, I think that, uh, maybe that's why. That's a good point. That might be, you're just more, mm-hmm. more invested or at least invested kind of differently. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why usually books are, are better than their movie counterparts because, mm-hmm it's so hard, first of all, to combine, to cram all of, all of this stuff from a book into a, into a two hour, or in this case, you know, would be an an 80 minute script, very difficult. Uh, But then also you're just with the character so much when you're reading and you get an idea of kind of who they are and, and what they, and sometimes it's not actually even in the book. Like uh, I, when I was reading um, South Beach Love, uh, for some reason, I, I pictured the lead character, even though it says in the book that she's of Irish descent, for some reason, I was pitching her as being a Latina and, and, and somebody pointed it out to me. It was, and I was like, oh, and then I went back, I'm like, oh yeah, it says it right there, but the whole time I'm reading it, I'm picturing it in a certain way. And so you yeah. can- <laughs> That's I've had so- that before where I picture a character with brown hair or blonde hair and, and then they make a movie and I'm like, why did they do it with blonde hair? And then I look back and I'm like, oh, she has blonde hair in the book. I just pictured it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I do that too. I did that recently in a Becky Wade novel. I, I had the, the, hair, the, the hero and the hero's best friend who was a very substantial side character. I had both of their races just totally opposite. And mm-hmm. I was like, why did I do that? Why did I? And what was so funny, my, my daughter read the same book after me and I didn't say anything and she made the same mistake. So there was something that implied it maybe very subtly that we both picked up on. 
And I actually talked to Becky about it and we laughed and she's like, that's hilarious. Cause she thought it was super clear, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, readers, you just put your own nuance into things. And once you yeah. have that picture in your head, it's so hard to change it. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's, what's so great about reading is that you can have that individual unique experience that you can't have with any other form of media because they're telling you, this is what it looks like. This is what the story is. This is what the, whereas like when you're reading, you can, you can really make it your own. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm a movie critic. I love movies. And I think there's something great about the succinct succinctness of movies that you can get a whole story and it allows you to dive into the worlds of so many different characters and people that I would never meet in my everyday life. And, but I can experience their journey in just two hours. There's something really powerful about that. Yeah. But I also always want to keep a foot in the reading, <laughs> reading yeah, territory yeah. too. Yeah. Me, me both for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and my daughter have been getting into the Hallmark mysteries. We love oh, the, okay. the cozy murders, you know, like who's, who, who done it kind of a thing. Who's your so favorite of the, uh, of the amateur sleuths? I like Aurora Tea Garden, but I'm kind of hooked on these morning show mysteries. Oh, so, those have been good. I've been surprised. Um, she's, a, like, she's a morning show chef, so that would be right up here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they keep me guessing a little better. Sometimes with Aurora, I feel like I, I figure it out sooner. Mm-hmm. But with the morning show, I'm usually a little surprised. So they, they do a good job. Did you see this last Aurora Tea Garden, the, the honeymoon one? No, I have not. No, it's a good one. I've only seen some of the earlier ones. Um, I think my daughter's watched all of them by now. She'll come over mm-hmm. to um, her grandma's house and they'll they'll binge on them. But me and her have been watching more of the morning show these last several oh, months. Okay. So yeah, there's some fun ones. I, I mean, my favorite was Garage Sale Mysteries, but sadly, R.I.P. It is no more. But Aww. I thought that one was really good. <laughs> Um, my other favorite, I do like the mystery 101. Those are pretty good, uh, with Joe Wagner and Christopher Paloha. They're pretty good. Uh, and I mean, science Hill delivered. Have you, have you seen any of those? I have not seen them yet. I've, I've seen the previews for them come across my Hallmark channel screen. Have you, um, do you recommend the, is it fixer upper, the fixer upper mysteries? Oh yeah. Those are pretty good. They didn't do that many of them. So it's, that's an easy binge. Cause they're okay. only like, I think there are only four or five of them. So okay, not okay. too much. Uh, yeah, those ones were pretty decent. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen any of them, but yeah. Uh, but science of delivered is so good. Okay. I'll add this to the list. Nice. <laughs> have some fun, silly questions. We like to ask our guests and, uh, first question, what is the best ice cream flavor? That would be cookies and cream. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Bluebell cookies and cream can't beat it <laughs> okay what is your favorite color turquoise oh nice yeah, yeah. just like uh, my character <laughs> oh yeah yeah how did you come up with the the names the, oh, the sign on names so I wanted to do turquoise for her uh, because that was one of the pieces of myself I put into Rory was just an obsession with all things kind of aquamarine turquoise teal um, so her username is color me turquoise. And then for his, I had to do a little bit of a play on his name 
which um, kind of is also a loose tribute to Tom Hanks having that really obvious handle of, you know, his- NY152. Yeah, his address, you know, and that was a joke. So I kind of wanted them to have a chance to have maybe a joke about that, you know, later in the story. Um, So I had to incorporate his, one of his names, but I couldn't make it too obvious. So I went with his middle name, which was Strong. And she just took that to mean his athletic, you know. Mm -hmm. So it it, it provided just enough confusion. But yeah, that was fun. No, that was good. That was very good. All right. Uh, What music are you into? Oh, goodness. I am super eclectic. I, I'm, I'm in Louisiana, so I've got to give a little bit of nod to the country, but I'm very picky about which country. I like the country that tells a story. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like Carrie Underwood and some of those big power songs that have a, a full story just in those three minutes. Um, usually some kind of revenge <laughs> the way country songs go. Um, but I can appreciate a lot of that. But um, past that, my husband has gotten me into jazz. He's a drummer. Oh. And so he loves um, Miles Davis and he'll, he has uh, vinyls that he'll play on a, on a record player. And so I've kind of gotten into some of, in appreciating some of that here recently. Um, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty open to a lot of different styles. Sometimes I'll put, I'll put on my uh, 90s playlist and just jam out to the old stuff when I was little. And um, yeah, pretty much a little bit of everything. Very good. Okay. What is your go-to date night food? Sushi. We love oh. to get sushi and fried rice. And um, we have the little local place that we like to support that does it really well. So we mm-hmm. always go to the same place and it's just perfect every time. Nice. Uh, what is your go-to date night activity when back when we can go and do stuff out, outside? <laughs> We would, one of our default dates is to go get sushi and then we'll drive through the gas station by our house, grab a pint of that Bluebell cookies and cream, and then come home and watch a movie. Or if we're binging a show on Netflix, we're big fans of The Office and Parks and Rec. So sometimes we'll just turn those back on and just Mm -hmm. watch 10 episodes. And um, yeah, we're not big nightlife people. We love our (laughs) nights in with our sweatpants. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Netflix and chill is a thing for a reason, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Uh, dogs or cats? Oh, dogs. 100%. Yes. Yes. All right. Beaches or mountains? Oh, this one's tricky. I used to say beaches, but now I'm a little torn. I would not say no to a vacation on either spot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When's, uh, what's your favorite holiday to celebrate? Oh, I think Christmas. I know that's cliche, but I really love the the family connections at Christmas and the traditions and just everything. Everything feels like a Hallmark movie at Christmas with the, the lights and the shopping. And it seems like people in general are just in a better mood around you in public, which is nice. Um, so yeah. yeah we got to get you to write a Christmas book. Ooh, well, I have a Christmas novella two of them. Well, one was more winter, but I do have a Christmas novella that I wrote with Love Inspired many moons ago. Oh it yeah. A compilation with um, a fellow author, Marta Perry. Oh, nice. We did a short story, you know, two in one kind of book. Um, mm. Mistletoe Prayers is oh. what that title was. And it was really fun. I got to pull out all the aesthetic Hallmarky Christmas vibes for that story. Yeah. Uh, 
but yes, I love it. I, I do want to write another one soon. That's always kind of on the bucket list. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Last question. This is very difficult or maybe not so difficult, but what is your favorite Hallmark or romantic movie? Oh, is it you've got mail or maybe not. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. You've got mail is definitely at the top of the list. Um, I do have some others that I, I like to rewatch. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking right off the top. I like Sweet Home Alabama. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Was a great uh, one. Yeah. And a lot of the Julia Roberts, um, Runaway Bride, mm-hmm. uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. I like how that one's more of a non-traditional ending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still happy, mm-hmm. but I, I really like that one. That might that be one's really good. Yeah. I love in I love in Runaway Bride when she finally figures out how she likes her eggs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Personal growth. We're all cheering yes. for you. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I also in in Sweet Home Alabama, there's a scene when she first sees him at the glass place, right? Mm-hmm. The the camera like pans up on Josh Lucas and then just like stays there for an, an exorbitant amount of time. Like Yes. <laughs> yes, it's so Thank great. you, director. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, they 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 knew what they were doing with the money shot there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think one of my favorite lines, I quoted Sweet Home Alabama the other day. I was joking. We were at a restaurant that was very much a biker bar, but we didn't realize that it, it was it's still a restaurant for families, but it's a biker bar. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my friend, we were eating lunch and she had her one-year-old, and I just looked at her and I was like, You have a baby in a bar and <laughs> she just started cracking up. She knew immediately when the movie I was referencing. I was yeah, like, there's yeah. a lot of life application in these movies if you just think about it, you know. That's really, you really, I think you could do a a, a whole podcast on just life lessons for rom-coms, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <Very cool>. yeah. <laughs> and a lot well, of very good. too. <laughs> you passed the test. You hey. answered all the questions. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Well, I really enjoyed the book. I think our listeners will enjoy reading it. We have, we'll have a link, uh, to, we'll have an our affiliate link, uh, to Amazon. If people want to check it out and purchase it, uh, you can do that. And that would help us out as well. And, uh, when does it become available? It's officially released October 12th, Right, October 12th. Make sure you check it out and thanks so much for taking time to talk with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Do you have social media you'd like to share or anything like that? Oh, sure. You can find me on Instagram at Betsy St. Amant Haddocks. That's my remarried name, Betsy St. Amant Haddocks. And I'm also on Facebook under the same. And then I have a website, BetsyStAmont.com. Great. And we'll have all that in the description. Make sure y'all follow. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. Also, you can find me on Goodreads and uh, make sure you're following the podcast, the Homeworkies Pod and the Homeworkies Podcast, all of our social media. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. That really helps us a lot. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have our patron group and merch store. All the information for that is in the description and we would sure, sure appreciate help there. So thanks so much, Betsy. I really appreciate getting a chance to meet you and talk with you. And, and definitely if we're ever doing that, Nora Efron slash You've Got Mail podcast, we're having you on. We're having you back for sure. Great. Bring <laughs> it on. Let's do it. All right. Good. All right. Thanks so much. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. Bye.